Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You are watching a master at work. Welcome to NFL Trend Zone. I am your host, Dustin Baker. I'm here with Wes Johnson from California and Jason Boland from South Dakota. This week, we're switching up the content a little bit. We're going through pretenders and contenders through six weeks of NFL action. There's quite the list of folks that couldn't fall in those classifications. So we're going to go through each team. We're going to touch a little bit first on this Deshaun Watson news and will he or won't he go to Miami, which kind of dropped out of the sky in terms of reality. Like, will he actually go there? We're going to go through that and pretenders and contenders. That's on the docket. Per usual, however, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before are out there. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. For example, NFL. The team after week six most favored to win Super Bowls, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who won it last year. And followed right next to them are the Chiefs and the Bills, both tied at a plus 700 money line to win the whole damn thing. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code BLEAV50, believe 50, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage on all these amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. We are doing pretenders and contenders tonight. We are one-third of the way of the regular season. You'll recall that there are now 18 weeks, and we are through week six. So we have the whole show slated for a class of teams, pretenders and contenders, that are pretty much in that three and three range. Some of them are two and four, or maybe one or two, four and two. But the news of the day that seems semi-credible is that perhaps Deshaun Watson is actually going to be traded to the Miami Dolphins. Now, we've seen these rumors before, but some of these sources seem a little bit more credible than most. We're even under the impression on this show and globally that he probably was damaged goods based on trade commodity because nobody knows if he'll get suspended eventually or what the courts will say. But it seems for some price, the Dolphins are purportedly getting close to pulling the trigger. So Wes, I want to ask you out of the gate, would this mean that Watson would play this year or would would they theoretically be trading him for, to play him in 2022? I I think it's to play this year uh, to play relatively immediate immediately too um i know in the um off season there was talks about uh the trade compensation and then also um any pick compensation having some type of um um what you call it um uh, caveats to it that uh, should Watson get suspended, you know, that instead of a first, it would turn into a fourth pick or some something to that, oh, okay. that effect. Um, as we've mentioned previously on the show, Watson and the NFL stance on Watson has been kind of hush hush. Um, 
I'm sure if he does get traded and if he uh, is in line to start football games, then that chatter might start to increase. Um, as of right now, with him just being a healthy scratch every week uh, for the Houston Texans, uh, I don't really see um, the NFL being under the ball to act on uh, Watson. So you think that the NFL would be forced to do something or you just think that they would let him play out the eight, nine remaining games in Miami and then let the legal system do its thing? I don't think um, the NFL would force Watson to do really anything. Uh, I think other groups would force the okay. NFL to um, you know, make some kind of movement. We saw with uh, John Gruden. Um, he made disparaging comments about DeMore Smith <laughs> and the NFL was kind of like, eh. and then, uh, reports came out that he was, you know, attacking the, uh, LGBT, uh, Q community. And then they're like, all right, that's enough, you know, time for you to go. So, um, uh, I guess it, it just depends on who's applying the pressure and how much pressure the uh, NFL is willing to endure. Yeah. Let me ask you something. What do you mm-hmm. think is the, um, the collective mindset of the NFL and its constituents, like other teams and other owners and their sponsors and things like that? What do you think that their view of this Watson situation is behind the closed doors. I mean, cause you don't hear anything about it anymore. You just don't. Well, it's certainly a black eye because they, it, because there was 22 women or however many. Yeah. Yeah. There, there has to be credence there. There had to be something and he had to be either a little too frisky or downright um, criminal. And for some reason, they didn't get out in front of this one and put him on the exemplist, which I always thought was weird, which leads me to believe they just aren't as sure as they were in the past. Like there's no videotape or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I think they're just trying to dance. And we, we talked about it on the show about a month and a half ago that on any given Sunday, he is the, the third biggest face in the league. And I think that they want to just – be mum until the last minute possible and then lay it at the doorstep of the courts because if the courts come out and say this is hogwash then they can be like well yeah we wanted to see what the courts would say yeah do um, you think do you think and i i i gotta make sure i'm asking this question appropriately but you know everybody probably has their own opinion on this on this situation and do you think it's because there isn't any, because I mean, there were and correct me if I'm wrong here, but there were some, some instances or some uh, uh, accusers, if you will, right. That have came out and retracted. I, I believe so. The, I didn't hear the retractions, but yeah. Cause okay. So I know I just said, and, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong and maybe I misheard this, but I thought like, God, I don't even know how long, how long it's ago it's been, but like in the early stages of this, that there were, when the, when the cases started to mount up and 
they there was court dates and stuff set. Weren't there a few of them that kind of said, you know, I'm going to go ahead and step back out of this for a minute. I, I you know, and retracted kind of their their accusations. Didn't that happen? Oh, uh, well, Probably. I'll say if they did, uh, it may not be because they figured out, like, well, I don't want to lie anymore. It's probably because they didn't want to deal with the press. Well, no, and yeah, well, for whatever reason, and yeah. that may be. And that's not saying, obviously, that, 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 that none of this obviously happened. But um, I'm just wondering what the, what the NFL, just like maybe, like you said, well, there's no tape. There's, I wonder what they're, I just, I'm, I'm curious. It's, it seems so bizarre to me that there's been no penalty for him. And you said they didn't get out of, and put him on the uh, the commissioner's exempt list, but but can't they still? Yeah, they still can. Uh, they they won't um, until their hands force and yeah yeah um, it gets forced with a smoking gun like you know something on video or yeah, something yeah, yeah. damaging or incriminating that gets out to the media, uh, something that puts a black eye on the shield itself. Um, without that, they are not going to devalue an asset like Deshaun Watson is. Uh, he's a young, gifted quarterback. It is a quarterback league, and they see the value that he will bring to you know potential uh, seat sales, yeah. uh, merchandise sales, etc. And they don't want to damage that until they find you know until they're forced to in a way yep no that makes perfect sense and yeah i agree with you though uh if they if that trade goes through it will be this year he'll be playing in miami yeah so that would have to indicate that the texans are just not playing him because of his trade request you know because if if the miami's ready to suit him up here in week eight then texans probably want to play the third best quarterback in the world as well. And so that leads me to believe the dual facet part of this is that he didn't want to, he wanted out of there before he got in trouble. Right. And it just happened to be a terrible coincidence for the Texans or for him, or however you want to phrase that, that he, he wasn't, he had two things against him for being on the field. One, both of which are self-inflicted. If you uh, believe the, the 25 women or whatever. And then the fact that he was disillusioned there and doesn't want to be there. So yeah, so I, I'll be anxious to see what he fetches for for compensation because if they're so Miami is a team that actually had or has house money to do this. They're not a franchise like the Rams. It's like, well, yeah, we don't need draft picks. They have stockpiled stuff through a lot of rich trades with these Texans, uh, stealing right. from them, and so they're basically just repaying um, their bounty with what they stole. Yeah, Larry Metunsel. Yeah, so that that yep. that's that's why you know Texans probably don't give a damn now because they're going to get something. But I think if if you're trying to figure out when the news breaks, if it does, and you're like, wow, they gave up three firsts and blah blah blah, it's like, well, Dolphins out of all NFL teams had a lot of house money to do this. Mm-hmm. So when we were right before like the season started, I know that we talked a little bit on this show about were they going to start Watson? Remember that. When we talked about it, well, yeah, yeah, because he was at camp. That's what, threw That's what me I'm off. saying. Yeah, and he doesn't show up at the games, does he? I don't think so. No, and I don't think anybody Otherwise, really watches those games. Well, I know. Yeah. I that's my point. I never do. But I mean, I I would assume though, if he has been showing up at the games, <laughs> we would know about it. Yeah. So I think that I never 
well, I, I threw out there, you know, is he going to actually play because he started showing up at camp and they like played him at safety or whatever, they, like, <laughs> or they like listed him as a safety and did all that weird shit. And so I was like, well, it's one thing if you request a trade and then you're blackballed because of accusations, then you're, you're not a part of the franchise whatsoever. But then boom, he showed up at camp and it's like, well, what's the deal? Right. And that must've been just something where he would get paid. You know, you have to show up here to get your contract money. And so that's bizarre. the only thing I can make. Both situation right. is bizarre. No, I don't think anybody knows the answer on whether or not this guy can actually play. Yeah. It's uh, in terms of eligibility, you can, but you have to have a lot of cover, which is not a lot available or a, set, a pair of testicles to just say, <laughs> well, we're going to play him anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want the Vikings to just, trade for this dude and play him when this stuff is out in atmosphere. Cause I, if, if indeed oh. he did all that stuff, it's, it's horrible. And <laughs> yeah, right. and I, uh, we always tend to be on the side of the accuser and the fact that it's 25 of them, whatever it is, it's like, I don't really think there's this humongous conspiracy by some yeah. local Houston lawyer. It just doesn't add up. No. Yeah, all right. Let, let's, let's jump into pretenders and contenders. Uh, I have a list of them and we're just going to go down and explain one by one who, uh, who we think are the contenders and pretenders. So the first I have is Cincinnati Bengals and their record indicates that they are very much for real. They are four and two. Joe Burrow has matured rapidly and uh, kind of in an unsung way. He, he's healed quickly from his injury and He's in a fabulous spot, A, for a guy who's in a second year, and B, for a guy who came back from a torn ACL. Uh, so I firmly believe, well, let's first define contender and pretender. Contender means a good football team that can get to the postseason and perhaps win a game or two. I don't know if the Bengals are ready for a Super Bowl, uh, but they can certainly contend for the AFC playoffs. Jason, are the Bengals contenders? You know, I it's... I almost got to say that they are. I, I, I think that uh, I think that they, you know, they got some they got some good wins under their belt. Um, you know that the Vikings are proven to be coming back around, like I figured that they would. You know, they they were able to beat them first week of the year. Um, you know, they they beat the Steelers pretty handedly. Another team that's also kind of creeping back up. Um, and then they they hung tight with the freaking Packers. I mean, most recent so. I, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. And then they dominated the lions where they should have. Yeah. I think that they're, I think that they're going to be right there. Um, I, like you said, not a super bowl contender, but definitely, you know, um, playoffs for sure. West, their next uh, four games are at Seattle primetime at home versus Brady and the bucks at home versus the Falcons at the Titans. Do, where do you put them in this contender pretender pretender? Oh boy. Pretender. <laughs> All right. What is it? Is it the defense or what is it? No, I, I think they have a decent team. I just, uh, they haven't hit the, the meat of their schedule yet. Um, they have played the NFC North. Um, they split the NFC North uh, two and two. Um, they've played one divisional opponent yet. Uh, the Steelers, which Jason mentioned. Uh, they also have to play the, um, AFC West, uh, four games there. Um, they have the second hardest strength of schedule remaining. Ooh, I didn't look at that. Uh, uh, hold on real quick. I messed up. Those four opponents I just read were for our next team, the Saints. So yeah. apologies. But continue, sir. 
Yeah. So, I mean, factoring that in, um, so they've played the Steelers. That means they have five more games left against their divisional foes. Um, and then the AFC West teams where nobody's below 500. Um, I, I just, it's going to be a, a, a tough road ahead for Cincy. I, I think that as a young and growing team, uh, there will be growing pains and it will probably prevent them from making the postseason. Okay. Uh, on the docket for the Bengals is at the Ravens, at the Jets versus the Browns at home, at the Raiders. Those are the next four games. Uh, the next team we have is the Saints, and I spilled the beans on their next four games. I firmly believe that they are pretenders in the sense that I don't think they'll, they'll get to the seventh seed of the postseason. Even if they do, they have bounced in the first round written all over them. It's not because they stink. I just don't think they have the pizzazz that they had when Breeze was there and doing his thing. Um, you know, the good version of Breeze. I think their defense is good, but there's something about their, I don't know, their, their swagger. They lost the Giants. They lost the Panthers. And I think that is unbecoming of a contender. Wes, what about you on the Saints? Same. I have them as a pretender. Um, they are kind of an interesting case. Um, two games this year, they've looked really good. Two games, they've looked really bad. So I, I'm kind of in limbo on them. But uh, because I am in limbo on what kind of team they have, uh, I will move them in into the pretender category until I, I see more from them, um, you know, to push them up into the contender status. It, it's really that their losses are stinkers. It's really, that's what it is. The Panthers are look more and we'll get to them a little bit, look weaker and weaker by the week. And then um, getting beat by the giants, they're, they're one win of the year. Uh, right. Are you, do you differ with us, Jason on the saints? No, I don't. I don't. And and it's it, you guys are saying this is really bizarre that that first win against the Packers. Then they just get crushed by the Panthers <laughs> and then they come back and win pretty handedly against the Patriots and then they lose to the Giants. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's it. And then these next those next games that you mentioned, it doesn't it, they will be very lucky to get out of there with one win. Um. Well, I guess the Seahawks. I mean, they—you never know, though. That, yeah, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be good for them. Nope. The next we have is the Cleveland Browns, who play Thursday night against the Broncos. And Baker Mayfield's status for this week is settled. He will not play. It'll be the battle of ex-Vikings quarterbacks in Case Keenum and Ted, Teddy Bridgewater. And we don't know when Baker will be back. It doesn't sound like it'll be terribly long term, but you never know. I still believe in the infrastructure of this team, even though both running backs are hurt. Uh, and that's because, no disrespect to you, Jason, because their strength of schedule coming up. They have the Broncos, Steelers, at the Bengals, at the Patriots, at home versus the Lions. And there should reasonably be either a 500 split or come out, come out on top by a win or two in those. Um, they have a good defense. We saw that, Wes, you were in attendance when they uh, stifled the Vikings, who Lo and behold, looked like an offensive juggernaut last weekend. And I think that they just have enough playmakers to be a contender, even though they're at three and three right now. Their losses are to these these boom, these big boom teams, the, the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Cardinals. And those are teams that pack a heavy punch. So I believe that the Browns, probably not a Super Bowl contender, 
but I think that with a little bit of recovery, healing to health, that they'll be just fine. Do you disagree, Wes? No. Yeah, I have them down as contenders. Uh, as you know, right now they are struggling with injuries. Um, the Browns have a formidable defense, which is what you will need to um, ultimately compete in. Um have a team ready for the playoffs. Um, I believe two teams come out of this division. Uh, Cleveland and Baltimore probably are those two uh, with Cincinnati nipping at the heels, but not having enough to, to actually get in. Jason speak on the Browns. Oh yeah. They, I mean, I, I said it from the start of the season. I mean, they, they definitely are contenders, um, you know, but, you just rattled off their upcoming schedule. They couldn't have had a better time to to have all these injuries, you know, (laughs) hopefully by the time it's all said and done, assuming they can weather the storm and, and come out of that, uh, the next uh, six games, 500, I think they'll be there. They're going to get one tomorrow. Well, you could save your speech till we get to to Denver on that game. Uh, Here's, (laughs) here's the deal with Keenum. Um, When he, this happens for a lot of quarterbacks in his, his ilk Um, best way to put it is when he can play like a playground quarterback, when he is kind of the unsung backup dude, you know, he's lovable and he's good. And he improvises when you put him in the spot where he's QB one, then he misses a lot of throws that the regular QB ones hit. That's what led to his departure from the Broncos is that he couldn't make some of those big throws that would have won games against the chiefs and such. Uh, but he is incredibly fun to watch. And like, I, I swear to God, he plays like, like you do on your fifth, fifth grade playground when you were a kid. Uh, so I do believe that they'll, they'll find some wins in these next five weeks. I don't know if they'll be with all the case. We'll have to see what happens with Baker, but the, all, the roster is been, sometimes it still feels weird saying this about the Browns who part of our jokes for 20 years, the roster is built uh, so well and it's coached pretty damn well by Kevin Stefanski that as long as they can, get their running backs back, both of them, um, and be 500, then they can probably wiggle into a sixth or a seventh spot. Next on the docket, Carolina Panthers and Wes and I should be experts because we just watched them for about four hours. That's how long the Vikings-Panthers game lasted, and I was unimpressed. From afar, I saw that they started 3-0, and and I got hoodwinked into believing Darnold got his geographical cure, and he was well on his way to being a top 16 quarterback in the league or so. And I believe I tweeted during the game, this guy might get benched. That's how terrible he looked through 3.8 quarters. He flat out wasn't good. He doesn't look like anything without Christian McCaffrey. And then the Vikings, for some godforsaken reason, let him author a very impressive fourth quarter drive when the team had him dead to rights on fourth and 10 on his own four yard line. Uh, But on the whole, I think that their good defense was a product of an easy schedule because the Vikings had no problems with them. And the Vikings, although decent on offense, were not didn't come into that game as gangbusters. So I firmly, despite what I said in the offseason, I firmly have Carolina in a pretender. Jason, what about you? Same, same. I, I feel the exact same way with them. But, you know, in their defense against the Vikes, um, the Vikes defense just played really, really good that game. I was very impressed. I really liked what I saw out of them. Um, and in, in Darnold's defense, too, I must have saw 10 drops. Yeah, there was. 
um, Robbie Anderson dropped at least five or six himself. And then um, <laughs> the coach DJ, did too. Yeah, the coach did. <laughs> and DJ Moore even dropped yeah. some. And I'm not saying that any one of those, but I mean, the, they were all right there. Um, pretty decent passes. I'm not saying any one of those was the reason, but you know, you complete on a couple of those. You're looking at a different ball game. And, you know, eventually yeah. after so many drops, as a quarterback, you're just got to be thinking to yourself, what the hell, <laughs> you know? Um, so, you know, I, I, I do think that they're better than the way they played against the the Vikings, but I don't think that they're contender worthy. There, uh, there's no doubt about that. I, and I was so grateful and elated that they dropped somebody passes because whenever that happens, I feel like it's just a bit of uh, justice that bad stuff <laughs> happens to the Vikings opponents. And I just enjoy every minute of it. Um, but Somebody tweeted, somebody with a blue check mark tweeted that something to the effect of these Vikings receivers just catch everything. I've never seen anything like it. And I almost replied, like, welcome to Vikings football. This is the way it is when you have Adam Thielen, used to have Stefan Diggs, now have Jefferson, is that they make phenomenal catches that over these last six years, Wes, we're just like, oh, yeah, Thielen made that one-handed stab. That's the way he does things. Business as usual. Yeah. And then it's just, it's (laughs) exposed when you watch these other teams that have drops like Robbie Anderson and Zoma was even making fun of them the whole, the whole episode. Uh, So yeah, the Vikings might have a lot of weird things that happen in games, but they are usually one of the most sure-handed receiving football teams, at least in the Mike Zimmer era, even though he personally doesn't have anything to do with it. But on the broader point, Wes, contender, pretender for Carolina. Pretender. (laughs) Uh, The offense is too... Uh, McCaffrey dependent. Um, as you mentioned, they didn't look like anything special uh, without him out there. Uh, I think they do have a, a decent defense. Uh, they do need help at defensive back, which they have gone out and sought in um, the form of CJ Henderson from Jacksonville and uh, Stefan Gilmore from the Patriots. Um so if the defense can get right, maybe they can, you know, hang around a little bit. Uh, they do have the toughest uh, strength of schedule remaining, though. So that is something to take note of as well. So are you going by wins and losses or DVOA or which, which metric are you using? Um, this is just something I found on uh, okay. PFF. Okay. Yes. For hard, hardest strength of schedule. Yeah. So I don't know exactly. So there's there's three different ones of these for the folks that care. Um, per wins and losses, tankathon.com does the current wins and losses and tells you the team's cumulative record from here on out. Then DV, uh, Football Outsiders uses DVOA, and that's their own crazy formula. And then I think the one you're talking about is PFF. So yeah. uh, there's there's a couple different variations of those. So you might hear us say for the rest of the way that so-and-so has the hardest record and just know that they have a pretty uh, difficult schedule. The other thing, and I should say this on the Vikings part, but I'm going to sneak it in here now. It's Christian Darius had his first career start, and we talked to him on our Vikings show about five months ago, and he talked about one of the toughest guys that he ever went up against was Brian Burns, and uh, that was in college, of course, and he got to face him uh, this week, and boom, there there was no no pressures, no, no sacks allowed, maybe maybe a couple pressures, I should, I should restate, um, but yeah, one of the guys he called out as the trickiest guy he ever went up against, he didn't have any problems with, so kudos to the young Mr. Derrissaw. Mm-hmm. All right, the next one, the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is um, my satellite team because their head coach came from the Vikings, and I, I have weird ties like that. 
Um, you guys, sometimes Sally from Minneapolis is on the show. You guys were correct that Ben Roethlisberger is nearing the end, and he still has glimpses every now and then, kind of like Breeze, of doing something decent. But he is holding that team back because the defense is good. Uh, Najee Harris is going to be very good if he's not already. But I think they're just stuck in this close your ears, Wes, this Kobe-like retirement tour where they're paying homage to a quarterback that brought so much to them. And Kobe never really got this bad, but he wasn't quite himself towards, towards the end. So I think they're stuck in trying to be respectful to a guy that brought them two, yeah, two Super Bowls. So boy, because of their defense, I still have them as a playoff contender as, as a seven seed, but that would have to be with a lot of help and more glimpses of good Ben versus dead Ben. So Jason, what about you on Pittsburgh? Well, I mean, if Pittsburgh played teams like Denver each week, they'd be, <laughs> they would definitely be a contender. And I think that that's going to hold true throughout the rest of the year. When, when they go up against maybe the likes of the bears and the, and the lions coming up and um, you know, I would expect each one of their divisional opponents to be close games just because of, just because, um, you know, he can do enough to expose, I think, weaker defenses, Ben can. Um, but I, I just it's really hard for me to say. I, I mean, as far as a contender, I don't I don't buy that. Um, but I think that they're going to be better than I thought that they were going to be uh, because of that defense. And when you're when you're coached so well, um, it's really hard to rule a team like that. He's a guy, guy's never had a losing season. <laughs> I mean, you got to always go back to that. And that's incredible. That is yeah. really remarkable. So, you know, I mean, I, I could agree with you. I think that I could see him sneaking in as a wild card. Yeah, that's what that's what I mean, is I put a lot of trust in Tomlin and a bad season for him, like the Vikings coach, Mike Zimmer, is going to be in the neighborhood of eight, nine. And, um, you know, then we start the God, is he the right guy to lead this franchise because he didn't take him to the playoffs. And that's the way it goes for Tomlin, because you've never really seen a trashy season. Up next for the Steelers, Wes, are at Cleveland versus Chicago versus Detroit at Los Angeles. I know you're going to say pretender, but tell me why, sir. Yeah. Um, Sorry about the Kobe analogy. My bad. No, it's fine. <laughs> um, I, I get it. I get it. And, yeah, Ben has looked like a, a shell of the Ben that we are all used to seeing. Uh, it's kind of the Drew Brees effect where yep. – Breeze last year, he had a noodle arm for a good portion of the season. Um, I, you know, have to agree with a lot of things that you guys said. Uh, the defense is is good; it's really good. I think uh, T.J. Watt is an early uh, candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, they also have, uh, according to PFF, the third hardest uh, strength of schedule remaining. Um, with those list of four games that you rattled off, uh, I could probably see them go two and two over that stretch and um, stay in the conversation. But as we get deeper into the season, I, I just don't know if they'll be able to hang on and um, – you know, make that push that's needed for the playoffs. The other sneaky thing about them, and this is all credit to Tomlin, the defense, and maybe a game or two of Roethlisberger when he's in a good mood to play well, 
is that nobody on earth will be surprised if it's Steelers versus Titans or Steelers versus Chiefs here in December and the Chiefs win. Or excuse me, the Steelers win. <clears throat> nobody will be like, well, how'd they do that? What you'll think is, of course, it's the Steelers. They got a great defense. They got Tomlin. Roethlisberger balled out that particular game. Yeah. So they're still going to be a force, even though they don't have their usual reputation attached. And it, right. it, it's not good. I know they're not going to win the Super Bowl, but I do think that they have the uh, backbone to get to 10 and 7 on a, on, on a, on a good variation of this remaining stretch. Um, it's a long shot, but for that, that Claypool reason, is pretty badass, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the, the whole entire AFC East is in this category based on record. So we'll skip the Chiefs because we know they're a contender, even though their defense is god awful and they will not win a Super Bowl. They will not fulfill my prediction and prophecy that they're going to beat the Rams Super Bowl unless this defense <laughs> turns around like Seattle's did last year. Seattle, through eight weeks last year, I believe had the worst defense in the NFL by either yards or points allowed. And then all of a sudden, from weeks nine through 17, they got good. Nobody knows why they just turned into a good defensive unit. The Chiefs will need to do something like that because you cannot have this bad of a defense and get to a Super Bowl. Uh, in video games, you might be able to do it. And in fantasy football, you can stare at the your lineup and be like, yeah, these Chiefs are good. I got Tyreek Hill, blah, blah, blah. But Super Bowl winning teams do not have defenses this poor. So, But we can still chalk them up to contenders based on Mahomes alone. Uh, the Chargers are contenders, at least for the postseason, based on their <clears throat> roster, their quarterback, their pass catchers, and Austin Eckler, and a, a big-name defense. they got a lot of defense, defensive names. But the curious ones are the Las Vegas Raiders and the Denver Broncos. So the Raiders terminated their coach, or he resigned in a – circle of scandal and then they boom went and got a victory over the Broncos and they're four and two. So they, that they rode the momentum of a three and zero start to carry it into a winning record by the end of week six. I perhaps they'll be better without Gruden with this, this new dude. Um, but I don't see them reaching the postseason because they, the offensive line does not inspire me. And I just don't think that they have enough oomph to beat out these other teams. Jason, you, you should be a quasi expert on the Raiders. Are they a contender? No, no. <laughs> um, you know, what they did to Denver is not an outlier of what they are. Um, you know, Denver is just that bad. Uh, so no, I don't think that they are. Um, I think, but to agree with what you said earlier, obviously the chiefs and the chargers I put in the, in the contender category for sure. I think uh, Oakland's going to, yeah, no, no. <laughs> Wes, you, uh, your homies have ties to the Raiders. What are they saying, and how do you feel about them? Um, I, I know they still believe. I, I don't, though. Um, I have them as pretenders as well, uh, not having um, a head coach. Obviously, they have somebody filling in, but not having somebody that you know started with them in the offseason and built a vision – with the team itself, uh, I think it'll catch up to them eventually. Um, they've gotten lucky in uh, early in the season, um, you know, hanging on at home to uh, beat Baltimore and to beat uh, Miami in overtime. Um, I just I don't see the luck continuing uh, throughout the season and keeping them afloat in the playoff conversation. 
And what is what is their major malfunction? I mean, we know Carr is a top 15 quarterback. <clears throat> is it the offensive line? Is it the defense? What is it that makes them feel different? I, I that I I don't know. I just <laughs> in, in watching, you know, those I watched those two uh games, the Ravens game and the Miami game and they look competent on offense. They look competent on defense, but at the same time, it just, it felt like, you know, they, they were either letting teams um, stay in games or, or maybe just playing up or down to their competition. I, th- I think that might be the, um, the best description of it. And instead of playing their game, they're playing, to the caliber of their opponent and that usually will get teams in trouble. Yeah. Yes. Or just the simple fact that they are the Raiders that that could very well be the case too, because they do have some, you know, I, I can't really tell you why I think the way I do either about them. Um, Cause they, I mean, they dominated Denver. They literally made Denver look bad. I mean, and you're talking, they all kind of Kenyon Drake, uh, Josh Jacobs got into the action and then you're talking Henry Ruggs on the deep ball. And then um, they're uh, well, yes, Darren Waller. And I mean, so yeah. they got this, they got the, the players to, to do it. And, and then their defense just crushed <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> 17 times. He was hit. Ugh. So, yeah, I mean, if you're at based on that game, yeah, they should damn well are contenders. But, you know, to, to your point, Wes, I agree with that. You know, that, they don't really have their own identity. I think they wait and see what the other team is going to do, and they go from there. Yeah. All right, on the Broncos, I'm going to take draw first blood here because I know there'll be some impassioned discussion after me. Uh, I still have them in the contender for the playoffs category. First of all, they should count their lucky stars that they had a cakewalk schedule to get to 3-0. Boom, that, that should have given them momentum. It did not, but it gave them a nice <laughs> win-loss standing out of the gate. And when you go through the roster, outside of the injury now to Simmons and whatnot, there is absolutely no reason in the world that this team should lose at home to a team like the Raiders in the fashion that they did. They have the players on offense and defense, especially on defense, to be at least a 10-7 and team, even with Bridgewater at the helm. So when you start to look at the formula like that, and they lose at home, or if they lose tomorrow night to a QB2 led Browns, then you start to put the blame or continue to put the blame at the coaching staff because they have all the ingredients built by Elway and then now George Payton that they should be contending. And I thought when they started three and oh that all right, this is this is this is the year that they're gonna get back to the postseason because it's been half of a decade. I still believe that they have enough talent on that roster to do it. They have to rely on Fangio to extract it. So uh, I'm not ready. You're going to tell me that they're done and they suck and that they should be abolished. Uh, but <laughs> I do believe that they have the playmakers to right the ship, but it has to start sooner than later because they got the Chiefs twice. I think they have the Chargers twice. And you'll be lucky if you get a two and two split out of that. So as the resident expert, sir, uh, I know you're, you're, you're melancholy about the last three weeks, but let's, let's hear the, the Bronco perspective. Oh man, you know, it's, you're absolutely accurate on everything that you just said, that roster, there is no reason that we should be looking how, how, how we are. It's, it's that simple. It all started, um, 
when Teddy went out in the Baltimore game. Uh, it started a little bit before that, actually. And it, it's the same team that I've watched for the last five years. Once a little bit of adversity starts, they are literally spiritually incapable of overcoming it. And they probably got caught up. And I've heard this on, a, on another pod that I listened to, but it makes perfect sense to me. They're like, the here we go again mentality. You do not have a lot of winners on that team. Um, you have Vaughn Miller, uh, Brandon McManus, who are carryovers from the Super Bowl. Other than that, there's not a single player on that roster that has ever had a winning season. Jeez. Um, and I have to believe that at this point in time, it's more mental. I don't believe that Fangio is capable of getting them out of that. Um, I, I'm not sure what will. Um, I think. It's, it, it's, it's really mind blowing. It could be the, co- the biggest collection of misplaced talent that we've ever seen. <laughs> um, uh, you, it's, oh, it, I, I don't know. I really am speechless most weeks, but it's the same Fangio's defense is, is, is not good. Um, it's that, and that's weird. And that's a it's problem. Good. That's a problem mm-hmm. because he was hired. He was plucked from the bears to have that be the one staple that he would solidify on that team is when all else fails, you can rely on your defense. Yeah. And, and you got a, a secondary that, you know, and a lot of people and I've, and I hoped at one point in time before I knew what kind of defense Fangio ran, I'm like, Oh good. This should, this should be kind of reminiscent of the Wade Phillips days. It's nothing like that. Wade Phillips would bring seven, eight guys and drop to leave. Harris and his defensive backs into man coverage, and they would constantly have pressure. Their cornerbacks were good enough to cover the wide receivers, and it would be it would be awesome to watch. Mm-hmm. I kind of got that feeling when I watched um, the Vikings this last week. They were always bringing pressure, mm-hmm. and uh, were really good in coverage as well. And Denver's not like that. They bring four. Yeah, granted, you'd love to get to the quarterback bringing four people, but they're not doing that. So the rest of the people are just dropping back into coverage, but they're not covering anybody. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's, that's problematic. Um, All right, Wes. So on the Broncos, I think that you would agree that there are fan bases that would salivate if they don't already for this depth chart, but after there's always something weird about starting three and oh, and then going to three and three, you almost want to do the opposite. You want to start 0 and three and go be three and three because you have momentum. But right now, because it went from three and 0 to three and three, it's hot seat chatter. So, uh, are the Broncos a contender for the postseason or not? No, I have them as a pretender. Um, the defense is too leaky right now. Um, you make all these offseason moves um, in the secondary and on paper. It should be a lights out secondary with a punishing front seven. And it's just not that way. Um, the, um, the offense itself, it, it doesn't have a, a punch to it. Um, you know, Teddy for the first three games did pretty well and spreading the ball around. They've obviously had their, um, Injury struggles, um, primarily at the wide receiver position, but um, we talked about identity with the the Raiders. Uh, I think 
the same can be said for um, not necessarily the team as a whole, but you know the offense and defense seem to lack you know an identity or what they want to be good at and where they want to excel. The thing that's just so, and we'll move on to the Vikings here. The thing that's so weird is that they have the defensive guys to be good. It's almost like you would compare, like, let's say the Yankees roster. You had Stanton, Judge, and Sanchez, and they just flat out weren't hitting home runs. You'd be like, well, what in the hell? That's why they're here. Why can't they do what their entire resume, their scouting report says? That's why it's so frustrating. Now, if they flat out had rookies in there and they had second stringers and we thought that Vangio could just will them to defensive success. Then I'd be like, yeah, it's not cutting it, but they have the dudes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They do. They do. And Pat Sertan is the highest, uh, second highest rated cornerback on the team. Uh, <laughs> so he's ahead of Fuller and Darby. Uh, Fuller's been beat all game all year. They finally bench him and put in Darby when he's healthy. Darby gets beat. <laughs> it, it, it's, just, it's, it's, it's crazy to me. I, I don't know if it's because of Fangio's zone scheme or what he does out there, but uh, it's not a defense that I enjoy watching. It doesn't create turnovers. It doesn't apply pressure. It, it's, it's an awful thing to watch. Well, you guys will watch it tomorrow. Full Broncos game in all its splendid glory. <laughs> yeah, well, there's no doubt about it. I'm looking forward to it. Yes. Unlike you, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, uh, no, I'm actually looking forward to this one too. Now that I know Case Keenum's going to be quarterbacking against, this is going to be glorious. <laughs> All right, let's do. Uh, so this went each team went longer than I expected. So let's do the Vikings in detail, West, and then each each one I have on the list after that, we'll just do one word pretender contender before we get off air. Okay. Perfect. Um, so I've started with all of them. Um, United right about follow do the Vikings in every capacity. So you take the lead here and tell me if your Minnesota Vikings are contenders. They are pretenders. Uh, as of now, anyway, um, seen kind of a, a mixed bag so far this season from them. They are currently three and three. They are in their bye week. Uh, the next four games coming out of the bye week will kind of give us a, um, it should give us a, a better idea of where they stand. Uh, I, I think they have the talent. I think the uh, they have the coaching. Um, I just I don't know what's holding this team back right now. And uh, they've had you know their share of bad luck. Uh, we talked a little bit before this podcast on um, fantasy football, and sometimes you know the the law of averages. You, you run into a string of bad luck um, and it's hitting, it's hit this team in in the early season. Um, They've definitely shown resilience. uh, But as of right now, uh, I have to rank them as a pretender until I see a little bit more from them. Pretender to miss out on the postseason, or pretender that they, Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. You must be banking a lot on that murderer schedule. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think they can hang with, with the big boys, but it, it's going to take more than hanging with them. They're going to need wins. At the, at the end of the day, it comes down to wins and losses. And yeah, um, Carolina had a winning record, but I, I think they're trending in the, the wrong direction. And 
um, you know, you take them off the slate and to date, we still don't have a victory against a winning team. All right, Jason, the Vikings are three and three with the Dallas Cowboys up next, the Baltimore Ravens, Los Angeles Chargers and Green Bay Packers. Are they contenders or pretenders? I think that they're contenders, actually. Yeah, I do. Um, I think that they played an all around awesome game on Sunday. I think it was just what the team needed collectively as a unit. Granted, they let the, the, the Panthers hang around and. But from what I saw out of both their offense and defense, it looked like a well-balanced, well-rounded unit. Um, and I, I think that I think that that very well could have been the turning point of their season. I mean, they started off really, really rough. I watched some of their earlier games, and it was sloppy. It looked like a completely different team yesterday. They proved that they could, you know, they had the they have the offensive weapons and the tools to get it done and to put up those big numbers. And their defense just, I mean. I was real impressed with them. Um, and I think they can hang with either one of these teams that are coming up. So I, I, I like them in the playoffs. So the thing with the Vikings is you have to determine if this entire six game lead up is a work in progress of polish, because if, if being in close games is a criteria for teams figuring out, then they are number one with a bullet. But if if all of these weird things or these letdowns late in games against the Cardinals, a missed kick, a fumble against the Bengals, a blown fourth and 10 against Sam Darnold, if those things are indicative of how this team truly is in its nature, then then, yes, they would be pretenders. Uh, I lean on the optimistic side because I've seen every version of the Zimmer team. And this one has enough talent to at least get to the postseason. And then since they played so many close games against so many humongous opponents that are good i i feel that they will have the just the oomph to make a little bit of noise but they have to clean up the, the stuff that's every game there's something strange the first game it was penalties second game it was a missed kick every every game there's something that forbids them from doing a complete game so i have them in the contender status in the sense that i my preseason prognostication was 11 and 6 I think because they lost that Cardinals game, I think that's probably down to 10 and seven, but the Zimmer team has shown in the past, particularly 2017, that they are also a team that can get hot. And right now they have a hot quarterback and the rest of the world, for some reason is figuring out that Kirk Cousins is actually pretty good when he has at least decent pass protection. And so I have them as still contenders for the playoffs. And I'll just need to see this next stretch of four games before I elevate them in anything higher. So we're running short on time. So we're going to have to go around the horn with one word, um, pretender or contender on the remaining 17. So one more thing about the Vikings, though. Yep. They should have beat the Cardinals. Yep. And uh, they should have done that in Arizona. It's so maddening because they played so well offensively in that game. And then they got burned by a MVP version of Kyler Murray on two plays in particular. One was just. <laughs> One of the it was an all-out blitz, and Murray just heaved it. And of course, <laughs> can't remember, who was the dude that came down with it, Wes? Ron, that Rondell Moore. Was that Rondell? Yeah. And yeah. I, I go back to that game, and I in in my revisionist history, just think if if the kicker hits a mundane field goal, how different is all of this? But that's right. not the way the Vikings roll with kickers. You know, but they could have very easily have um, cowered it, you know, and, and curled up and 
they're in a pretty good spot considering the the, yeah. the trials and things that they've been through. So three and three is a great spot for them with an almost win over Arizona who's looking like the best team in football. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, well, and you know, the Browns, when they were actually healthy, yeah. you know, yeah. they, they didn't get by them very easily either. So what the Vikings have to do for those that are Vikings fans that are listening is, the easiest way to do this, even though this isn't the way it'll go, is they just take care of business at home and beat the Lions in the road and maybe sneak out a win in San Francisco. Then they'll be fine. Um, they play tremendous when there's fans in attendance at U.S. Bank Stadium. That's the easiest roadmap. Just take care of business at home and then, you know, let the chips fall on the road. Easier said than done. All right. One word replies before we hop off air. This is a pretty big list. Wes, the Chicago Bears. Contender, pretender. Pretender. Jason, Chicago Bears. Pretender. Say that again. Pretender. Okay. Pretender. Pretender. <laughs> uh, we don't know who the quarterback will be long-term for this team. West San Francisco 49ers. Pretender. Jason. Pretender. Uh, I also had Chicago as pretender and San Francisco. Oh boy. Seahawks are fading fast. I still have San Francisco as a team that can win games and get to that seventh seed. Have not won a game at home in over a year. <laughs> Bam. We're going to keep it that way all the way to bloody Thanksgiving, <laughs> my friend. Uh, all right. Indianapolis Colts. Boy, they got off to that rotten start, and I don't think it's overcomable. So I have them as pretender. Wes? Same. Jason, the Colts. Yep, same. Same. Oh, I think we're just going to have a pretender tour here. <laughs> uh, New England Patriots. I begrudgingly call a pretender because I know somewhere on that team, they have a way to get to 500 or better. I just don't know if you can trust a rookie quarterback to effectuate it. Uh, pretender for me, Patriots for you, Wes. Contender. Ooh, I need a little, I need a 30 second speech on why. Uh, uh, they're finding ways to stay in games. Um, I, I believe that soon that'll flip in their, their favor. Uh, Belichick will get them right. I, you know, I, I agree. I actually Holy agree. Cow. I think it's, I think it's going to get better as the season goes on. I mean, Mac Jones is only going to grow better under McDaniels and, and Belichick's tutelage and the, the, the tight ends over there in, in new England are coming around. Like I think a lot of people had hoped. So, so then they yeah. got to get wins in this upcoming schedule at home versus the jets at the chargers at the Panthers at home versus the Browns at the Falcons. They need to find two extra wins to get to 500 before they start to hit some red meat with the Bills, Titans. Holy crap. All right. You guys <laughs> yeah, are sticking, that could happen. You guys are sticking yeah. by your preseason predictions. I like it. <laughs> um, all right. So there was a there was a schism there. Uh Philadelphia, two and four. I don't, I don't, I, I think I gave the speech on air with Jalen Hurts. I just don't know if he's a good quarterback. Fantasy football tells me he's marvelous. But <laughs> I just yeah. I don't he, it's one of the weirdest case studies I have ever seen. And I, I said to the group here a half hour ago that I've been playing fantasy football since 2002. And I've never seen a quarterback that is like, oh, I got to go get, I got to get him off the wire, make sure I'm starting him. And then I watch the games and I'm like, this guy sucks. Why do, <laughs> yeah. why do I even want him as my, my QB one for fantasy? So pretenders for me, even though I would not give up on Hertz, this is only his 10th game he started. And these dudes, just like Josh Allen, need time to mature. Uh, but for now, pretenders. Wes? Um. I have them as pretenders, and then I found out that they have the easiest schedule remaining, and I'm still going to have them as pretenders, but they have a solid defense. Just Jalen Hurts, uh, I agree. Um, 
somehow he, he's getting it done, but I, I just don't see long-term sustainability from him. I, I kid you not. He, he just needs time. And yeah. if you give him enough time, he'll be a top 15 dude in the league. But with all of the Watson rumors and um, the way that we judge quarterbacks up against the resumes of Mahomes and Herbert, um, I hope that GMs give these these men some time because most yeah. of them are gangbusters through 10 starts. Yeah, and let's not forget about, uh, you know, that young nucleus of offensive weapons that he has, too. Yeah. So, I mean, if they can keep those guys together, let them grow. Um, and they get coached and developed properly. The Eagles will be one of the best teams in football in three years. And then actually give the ball to Miles Sanders once in a while. They don't, yeah, they yeah. don't do that either. Yeah. Um, right now you have them as pretenders, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Two more. Uh, well, they Seattle. will get a win in a couple of weeks to get to Denver. Though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Seattle Seahawks, man. Uh, this is the, the first stretch of games that Russell Wilson's ever missed and they're going to feel the pinch. Uh, they're two and four now, and this feels like a just tailor-made for a lost season for them in the wake of the season that Russell Wilson gave a list of teams he wanted to be traded to. It all feels like a soap opera. And Seattle, I believe, is pretenders only because Russell Wilson is hurt for at least, what, five more games? Mm-hmm. Wes? Yeah, pretender, uh, even before the injuries. Uh, yeah, you called that one. Yeah, the, the roster construct. Uh, looks like it's it's lacking. I think it has too many holes. Uh, they're paying too many people and just mortgaging picks for uh, linebacker safe, safeties. safeties. Yeah, <laughs> linebacker safeties. Yeah, it, yeah. Seattle, Seattle, Jason. <laughs> yeah, you know, pre- pretender. I but I, I you know what I I do still still hold Pat with my ludicrous prediction the other <laughs> week about saying that, you know, if they can weather the storm in Russ's absence, I think that, you know, they might be, they might be able to, to squeak into the playoffs. Um, but in the division that they're in, that's not likely, it's not looking very promising. Um, but I, it's same thing I say about, about Pittsburgh. I mean, I like the coach out there. I mean, you, I got to assume that he can maybe try to, I don't know. It's all going to depend on these next two games. If Gino can take any kind of, you know, bull by the horns and run with it. But, and, but yeah, to, to Wes, to your point, they weren't doing a whole heck of a lot when Russ was available. You know, it's just like a, it's a weird team mm-hmm. there. You know, you would think that, you know, I guess Russ's name is usually enough to, to get that team clout. And it didn't even appear that that was the case this year. Yep, it's a top-heavy team led by the second-best quarterback in the lead that never fully recovered from the demise of Legion of Boom. Kind of like, kind of like what uh, Atlanta has been for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you got you got Matt Ryan and you got a couple of receivers that are really, but, but you know, I mean, they, it's four and twelve usually. <laughs> <laughs> Always so strange. All right, and our last one before we uh, jump off the broadcast is probably what I consider the most disappointing story in football, the Washington football team, who most of us penciled in as having a top three defense. They do not have a top three defense after all. Uh, Taylor Heineke, Cinderella story can only go so far. They aren't good. Uh, they're two and four, and I don't see that improving. And if, if they were losing by the skin of their teeth with this rip-roaring defense, I'd say something different, but they're not doing that. They're in shootouts like every week. And I don't know how that's happening. And they're not good. Uh, Wes, am I wrong? No, you, you are correct. 
uh, <laughs> strength of their team last year is suddenly their weakest link. Um, they still in last West uh, against the pass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Man, man, man. But Denver's <laughs> got to be worse than them, though, right? No, no, no. Oh, my goodness gracious. All right, so, it, it's funny because we were just talking a couple weeks ago. They were kind of in a decent spot being two and two, yep. given their circumstances. But, yeah, how quickly it doesn't take. Doesn't so take Wes, Wes has them as a pretender. And, Jason, is that the same for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, next week we will be closer to the halfway point of the season and we're going to go over some future potential quarterback placements. So teams like the Steelers might need a quarterback. Teams like the Broncos might need a quarterback in 2022. And we'll start to look at some of the chess pieces of who might go where just for the heck of it. And then we'll, we'll recap some of the big games from week seven. Anything else from you two gentlemen? No. Nada? Nada, nada. Enjoy the game tomorrow. (laughs) We will. We'll we'll hear all about it from you regardless. So, no, we'll be watching. All right, that's all we got for tonight. And peace. You are watching a master at work. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.